Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to the wine town of Barolo in Piemonte to meet with Valentina Abona of the Marchese di Barolo Wine Estate. Valentina, I'm delighted to be in touch with you again. Thank you for being my guest. How are you today? Hello, Mark. I'm uh, wonderful, especially now that we are talking together. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Oh, no, it's great to uh, to hear you again. I really enjoyed meeting you in Verona uh, earlier in the year. Valentina, can you tell us a little bit about where you are? I want our listeners who haven't been to Barolo before to get a picture of of this special place where you are. Well, I'm uh, glad you're describing it like that, because to me, it's the most beautiful place in the world. But of course, that is because it's home. Verona is a very tiny village in Piemont, therefore in the northwest of Italy, and uh, uh, it sits within the Lange area. The name Lange, coming from the ancient uh, language, um, means the strips of land, because all the area was actually a former seabed million of years ago. Then when the sea went away and the hills started to rise, according to when they rise, we find different soils composition, which characterize the area in a way that allows our wine to be so peculiar that uh, uh, can't be reproduced anywhere else in the planet. So the position in which Barolo sits uh, because of the soil composition and because of the unique microclimate of the area, being surrounded by the high Alps all the way up in the north, in the west, and also a little bit in the south, allow our graves to perform in this unique way. Okay, so this picture you're painting of this complex territory with the Alps, Monviso, I imagine you can see from... Barolo, the snow-covered mountains, and the wine hills of Barolo. Barolo, a very famous name, of course, but a very small town. Indeed. We are only 700 people. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> but yet it's known all over the world because of the wines. Yeah, sure. Now, your um, family wine estate, Marchese di Barolo, are located in historic cellars right in the center of the town, right, right by the Castello di Barolo. Indeed, indeed. The winery um, was born in the first half of the 1800s, as you mentioned, right in front of the castle, which was the estate where the Marquises of Barolo used to spend most of their time. They did have a, um, uh, a beautiful palace in Trin, uh, but in the holidays, I would say, they used to spend a lot of time in Barolo, where they lived actually for quite a bit. 
and immediately Juliette Colbert, the last Marquis of Barolo, who was a French noblewoman, arrived in Barolo because of love. She got married with Carlo Tancredi Falletti, who was the descendant of the Falletti family, the, the Marquises of the town of Barolo. She immediately realized the potential that our Turo could give to the wines that here were produced. And so to make this wine and to allow this expression so unique and so special, she created beautiful cellars right in front of her castle, right in front of her home. And these are your family cellars now? Today, they're owned by my family, who actually bought them back in 1929. So it's over 90 years that my family moved from our little estate very next to the castle. So on the same side of the town to where the castle is, right in the uh, town centre. We moved from there, where our historical cellar were, and where our family was born as winemakers already in the uh, second half of the 1800s, to the estate of the Marquises. So that's a, that's a really fascinating story, Valentina. And, and it's really interesting to note that this uh, development of Barolo, the wine, was happening around the same time as the Italian nation was being born. And in fact, the wine itself is linked to the history of Italy through the King of Italy and through the first Prime Minister. Oh, very much indeed. uh, Actually, the wine Barolo was born prior to the unification of Italy. So Italy as a country is more recent (laughs) than Barolo wine, just for a few decades, of course. But there are testimonies that already in the 30s, of the 1800s, the Marquises of Barolo uh, were active, not just in the production, but also on the uh, commercialization of the wine. So it was a profitable business already. And um, it became so um, popular, this wine, among the royal courts of the time, that even the ancestor to the first king of Italy, Carlo Alberto, uh, was interested about the wine that Marquise Juliette used to make in her little village in Barolo, which was, however, under his reign, the Savoy reign. So for her king, Marquise Juliette sent 325 barrels, long barrels, caribou barrels, that went all the way from the state in which our family still vinifies today, all the way up to the royal court in Turin, which later on became uh, the first capital of Italy. And uh, since this episode, the Barolo is known as the king of wine and the wine for kings, because the king had it for every day of the year, without uh, unless uh, the 40 days of length, because Marquis Juliette was very Catholic, so counted only the drinking days for the king. And also to send a message to the king, because he was asking for the wine, and as he was her king, she sent it, without saying anything, but she sent this uh, second message to him. Uh, You have someone above you who is God that you have to pay respect. So in those 40 days, not even you who are the king can drink. So it's a uh, lesson which we should remember every day still today. Yes, yes. Well, that is a fascinating history, this link of Barolo wine uh, with the Carlo Alberto, father of the first king of Italy. Now, what? Um, please describe for us um, Barolo wine uh, made from the Nebbiolo grape. What makes Barolo such a special wine? Well, of course, it's the terroir in which 
the grape Nebbiolo is born. In fact, if you try to plant Nebbiolo somewhere else, you won't have the same expression. Nebbiolo is the most sensitive grape in this sense. Uh, it really changes according to the situation, the environment in which it is grown. Uh, but besides this, uh, not even within Varolo itself, uh, Nebbiolo has the same expression. The area of Varolo, which counts uh, 11 villages, so the town of Varolo itself plus other 10, is divided in 170 different single vineyards. This means that there is at least 170 opportunities, expressions, uh, um, so to show what Barolo is. And uh, they are so peculiar because of what the grape gets from the soil, from the environment. Uh, so the microclimate, the exposure of the vineyard, the altitude of the vineyard itself, that is uh, so um, difficult to describe the wine barolo with just few words or just few sentences. It's definitely a very profound wine that has uh, a million of shades. And uh, the more you taste it, the more you get familiar with it. But it's just like speaking to a person. There is a still conversation that can continue for a very long time when it comes to a glass of Barolo. Yes, actually, I think that's a, a good uh, way to describe it because it isn't a wine that reveals itself easily, yet it is able to express with precision, like all great wines, its, its territory, one valley, one town, one MGA named Crew Vineyard being very, very different, same family, but, but very different. I agree with you. It's really like uh, um, brothers uh, within the same families. They have the same uh, parents, but still their, uh, their expression, uh, their personality is a bit different. In fact, Nebbiolo that grows in sandy soils uh, tends to be more open, uh, more expressed, uh, uh, a little bit lighter in structure. Where would that be, for example? What comune, for example, would have the sandy soil? Generally speaking, all um, the area of Barolo, which is positioned in the uh, northwest, tends to be sandier. The four in communes such as La Morra uh, or Verduno, um, Novello, we find it is uh, uh, lighter and uh, more approachable expressions uh, of Nebbiolo, while in um, villages uh, such as uh, Serralunga, uh, Monforte, Castiglione Falletto, which are characterized by more compact and stony soil, because these are older uh, hills that emerge from the sea prior to the ones of La Morra Novello, uh, which are still covered with a nice amount of sand, in these villages in the southeast, we find a more compact and stony soil composition, which allowed a more introverted expression of Barolo, a little bit closer on the nose, more ageable and definitely more severe, more vertical, uh, with a stronger tanning approach. Well, that is really fascinating. And we're talking about, um, when you're talking about younger areas and older, we're talking about millions of years difference, aren't we? Uh, oh, sure. So the older vineyards, uh, the, the older hills, I should say, uh, date back from at least 11 to 15 million of years ago, while the younger ones 
from 7 to 11. So there are a million of years of uh, distance between one and the other. And even within these greater areas which we described, so the younger and the newer, of course, there are different um, uh, important differences between one hill and the other, just because they stand on different strips of line, as we were mentioning earlier. Yes. And actually, the Marchese di Barolo, in, in your winery, you're able to express this because you have a fascinating range of crew wines that that are from individual single vineyards well we are in the town of barolo and uh, that is what we want to, to represent the most because we have the the fortune we have the luck to own vineyards within the same little village as we were mentioning only 700 people but lots of expressions of barolo from there so even within a little town um, we can show what is the peculiar expression that Nebbiolo can present from one to the other vineyard. So we chose uh, to, um, to show um, separately our single vineyards within the town of Barolo, and specifically three which stand on parallel hills, uh, or let's say almost parallel hills, which are therefore very similar in terms of exposure of the vineyard. They are also similar in terms of altitude and microclimate because they stand very close one to the other. But yet, because the town of Barolo is quite central into the winemaking area, it benefits from different uh, um, type of soil that here kind of merge and find a connection. So even vineyards which are very close one to the other can really present extremely different soil types. Therefore, Canubi, Sarmassa, and Coste di Rose are the three uh, single vineyards which we decided to show individually into single crew expressions. Coste di Rose being the most uh, sandy vineyard that we own in the town of Barolo. In Sarmassa, it's extreme opposite, the most compact and stony one. Canubi kind of stand in the middle. So within one kilometer of distance, we find these three, these three situations, which are so uh, different and peculiar to justify the single expression of the, of the Barolo. So Costa di Rose, because of the sandy soil that characterizes the hill, would definitely be the most expressed, the most delicate and floral and gentle expression of Barolo. Uh, also the one that you might want to approach uh, uh, earlier in its youth. While Canubi, it's uh, a little bit more uh, rich, um, more severe in terms of tannins. The name Canubi itself, we believe, come from connubio, which means meeting in marriage in ancient Italian, because it is a sort of meeting in marriage of the different soil types that characterize either Costa di Rose and Sermassa. So it's a nice merge of these two. Um, it presents a nice sandy cover on the top and uh, uh, compact and stony soils more in the heart of the vineyard. So this combination of the two allows a very harmonic expression of wine, which shows freshness, but at the same time, um, richness and strength in the, in the body. In Sarmassa, which is the most uh, uh, stony and dry vineyard uh, that we own in the town of Barolo, in this uh, uh, situation of equal uh, exposure, altitude and microclimate, uh, shows the most uh, 
a dry and vertical expression of Barolo that perhaps you want to wait a little bit longer before to enjoy. Oh, that's so fascinating, Valentina, that within such a short distance, uh, there are completely different expressions. Now, all of the wines of, of the Barolo zone, not just Barolo, but also Langanebiolo, um, Dolcetto, Barbera, these are wines above all to enjoy with food. And the food of Le Lange is famous uh, throughout Italy as one of the finest local regional tables uh, in the country. Tell us a little bit about the food in Le Lange and how it goes so well with your wines. Well, as you mentioned, uh, uh, one thing goes with the other. I can't think of drinking uh, wine from our region without having a nice uh, dish in front of me and vice versa, actually. So I always thought of the two things together. And uh, because of this, my mom decided to open a restaurant right on top of the historical winery um, to show how incredible this uh, marriage is between wine and food. All of our grapes, Nebbiolo, but as you mentioned also, Barbera, Dolcetto, are characterized by high acidity and great tannins, one more than the others. But still, we find a nicer combination of these two elements in all of our grapes. And this definitely justifies uh, the fact that wines go well with food because the acidity allows you to um, always have your mouth uh, watering and begging for something else to eat while the tannins dry it out. So it's a nice combination, a nice uh, cleanse that wines make in your mouth that really allow you to enjoy the food at best. And we have so many different recipes to match with all of the wines that we, that we can make in this area, starting from the uh, antipastis, which we are very uh, big in here in Piemonte. I just uh, tell you that when my mom and dad got married, they had 20 different antipasti. Including wedding lunch. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And it was a very typical one. So I will mention just few, of course, because 20 would be too much, but too many. But definitely, Vitello Tonnato is known uh, probably all over, all over the world. This is the slices of thin veal with a tuna sauce. Indeed. Uh, at least this is the way we do it here in Piemont, which is very typical from our region. Probably in other regions, you would find it in um, made in different way. So as you mentioned, it's a very thin slice of veal, tender veal, uh, with a nice uh, and thick tuna sauce, so with some capers in, so also quite salty, which goes very well with the minerality of our wines. Then I can think of our carne cruda, so our raw meat of fassona meat, which is a very lean uh, breed of beef, uh, so with no fat that uh, melts, therefore you can't really cook it as a steak. You'd rather have it raw, rare as a tartare or uh, albese style, so cut very, very thin as a carpaccio because it's already very tender. And, uh, uh, or otherwise, you can have it braised as a main course, uh, and usually we braise it with Barolo wine because without fat, we need to put some juice in it. So to uh, make it soft while you're cooking it. That's a brisato al barolo. Bravissimo. 
you don't need any other spice uh, or any other ingredient to enrich it because already the Barolo makes it all. And then, of course, the uh, uh, primi piatti, so our pasta dishes is a typical pasta made by hand, either with the field, so our agnolotti del plin, or our very thin tagliarine, which are very thin tagliatelle. And for both recipes, we use a lot of eggs. Specifically for the tagliarine, recipes goes from 30 to 40 yolks for each kilo of flour. Wow, that's incredible. And still remains so soft because we really work it a lot with our hands. And the tallarine you would have with different sauces throughout the year, perhaps something fresh in the summer and aragu. Yes, typically you can have them even with different kinds of ragu. You can have them in summertime. My favorite would be with rabbit ragu, which is this white but very tasty uh, meat. We do eat a lot of rabbit here in Piemont. Another typical recipe with rabbit would be coniglio all'arnese, so rabbit cooked with arnese wine, which is one of the few uh, the very special white wines that we make here in Piemont. Or in um, uh, maybe towards wintertime, you want to have your tiring with a red sauce uh, ragu. Mm-hmm. And perhaps with simple um, dressing of butter and tartufo bianco? Well, that doesn't make it too simple, but yes, I do agree with you. <laughs> That's a very special recipe. Tell us a little bit about the tartufo bianco d'alba. Well, the, uh, I think that, again, just like Barolo, truffle from Alba, the white truffle from Alba is known all over the world. And so we are so lucky <laughs> to have it so close by. We can find it only in a very limited um, a period of time at a year, so from September to November, even though uh, lately uh, in uh, towards uh, end of November and December, we still find some very tasty ones. But with just few uh, slices of the tartufo, you really enrich your dishes in an incredible way. Therefore, you don't need any dressing on them. Even, the, even a simple egg, as I was mentioning, we do use a lot of eggs in our cuisine, but just a simple egg with some truffle uh, shaved on top, it makes it such a special dish to go with wines from Nebbiolo to Barbera to Barolo. Wow, that's, um, I'm, I'm just imagining that overpowering, wonderful scent of a tartufo bianco when it's just thinly sliced. Such a special treat whenever one is in the area at that time of year. And it does match so well with the... Uh, with the Barolo, because many of the notes that we find in uh, rich and aged Nebbiolo are uh, notes that remind of the truffle and of the forest. Of course, that undergrowth, that earthiness that can come out in the wine. Indeed. Well, you've made me very hungry, and uh, I know your (laughs) restaurant is very welcoming. It's called La Foresteria, is that right? Well, that's the name that we we give to it. It's the, uh, yeah, Foresteria dei Marchesi di Barolo. For me, it's just my mom's restaurant. uh, There is no other better way to... Uh, to describe it. She used to be the cook there uh, for uh, for many years, and now we have Walter since, uh, well, now is over 10 years, of course. It w- it's around 14 years that Walter is with us and treat us with uh, these uh, typical dishes, simple, but at the same time, very rich in terms of taste to go with our wines. So every dish in the menu, every course, is thought to be paired with a specific wine. So the combination of the two is what should the show 
the um, food shouldn't uh, overpower the wine and vice versa. Right. Well, that's a beautiful balance. And to finish um, a meal, what would be a typical dessert that you would have and what wine would you serve with it? Well, again, we are spoiled. Uh, now that you made me think of this, this is the very beginning to the very end of the meal because even our desserts are uh, really tasty. I can think of panna cotta. I can think of a bunette, which is probably the most traditional dish. Um, the third dish of Piemont is a pudding uh, based of chocolate and amaretti. So these almond uh, uh, cookies, which are typical from our area, and uh, or either a uh, torta alle nocciole, so a hazelnut cake. A hazelnut, again, are a typical ingredient, a uh, local ingredient from our area. And uh, to pair with those, uh, you can choose between a moscato, which probably goes with the lighter, lighter, not in terms of sweetness, but lighter in terms of taste, uh, desserts, so maybe the panna cotta or the hazelnut cake. And uh, for the um, bunette, uh, I would probably go with the Barolo Chinato, which is, uh, it's a beautiful, not even a wine, Barolo Chinato. It's between a wine and a vermouth. So Barolo Chinato is a fortified wine, uh, Barolo, that has to uh, receive the DOCG. So you have to go through all the process of aging of Barolo. And then later on, you blend it with an alcoholic solution in which different herbs and roots and flowers were left in maceration. Usually is uh, sugary, so to extract even more all flavors. So Barolo Chinato is enriched of sweetness, but also the bitterness of the um, ingredients that you live in maceration. And is used today as a digestive to close the meal or to be paired with uh, chocolate. So bonnet or just a, a little piece of dark chocolate is perfect. Wow, that sounds wonderful. A perfect digestivo, a perfect end to a long, wonderful meal in Leilange. And a perfect end, I think, to our wonderful conversation, Valentina. It's been so lovely hearing you again and hearing really a more intimate picture of your life and food in such a beautiful place, Barolo. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Thank you, Mark, for this opportunity. And uh, hopefully next time we'll be together in front of a nice uh, dish and glass of wine. So to cheer together. Yes, I look forward to that, Valentina. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye for now. Ciao. Ciao, ciao a tutti. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to Italian Wine Podcast.